Hello and welcome to episode 54 of Inside the WDF with me, Andrew Sinclair. The first WDF European ranking event in 456 days is now in the books after the Gibraltar Open took place last weekend. I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by both winners from the Gibraltar Open this week with Laura Turner and Gavin Smith. Unfortunately, there were only eight ladies in the Gibraltar Open field, but Laura Turner managed to win through and defeated Mel Williams in the final. Here's my chat with Laura from earlier this week. I'm now delighted to be joined by the freshly crowned Gibraltar Open champion, Laura Turner. How are you, Laura? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. And before we get into the darts, I just want to ask, how nice was it to actually go away somewhere for, for a week away with Aaron and the children? Yeah, lovely. Um, you know, I couldn't have asked for more. I mean, Gibraltar was beautiful, had the family there, uh, had the weather. Um, yeah, so just getting away was amazing. First time since the Isle of Man opened back in March 2020, um, but also playing real people in the flesh. That was felt a bit novel to start with. <laughs> Well, I mean, you certainly got your money's worth while you were out there because there were so many competitions sort of every day during the the week. I mean, talk me through what you were doing sort of on each day. Yeah, so um, day we landed, um, was, uh, the following day was the JDC virtual. Um, that was firstly they did specifically for the youth. Uh, the day after that, they had a team event, and day after that, then they had JDC virtual for. Um, the adults so we were went through a series of qualifying online through this jdc virtual platform via GoDarts pro and yeah so we had three jdc kind of hosted events two mad opens the first mad opens that uh, have been held and then the gibraltar open so it really was kind of a festival of darts i guess you could say <laughs> that week in gibraltar yeah definitely and as you mentioned there it was sort of the first competitions you've had in person in a long while so was it good to sort of have all of those competitions during the week to get yourself warmed up for sort of the main event for you on the Sunday with the ladies competition? Yeah, it, it was. Uh, for me, it's just getting back out there and actually playing. I've played on and off online, but in all honesty, it's, it is it isn't the same. You know, it's, it's been a means to an end for a lot of us and we've been practising and being able to play other players that we don't normally get to play against has been brilliant but yeah, actually playing on person oh the nerves kick in the adrenaline starts pumping and it's you know it's how you react under that pressure in front of people again so yeah it was it was good and it was just nice to have as you say that many competitions because you could you know if you, if you had an off day you knew you were coming back the day after so it was yeah it was good it was good to get back out there and so how would you assess your performances once you were actually back in person again? Yeah, up and down. I, I, I had a few reasonable games. Um, the JDC virtual, the adult event, um, was a round-robin to start with. Um, I was in there with my group with Dyson Parody, myself, um, and a couple of other guys, uh, a guy called Ed and a guy called Peter. So um, I, I managed to get through that. I won two of my games, so I was quite pleased, you know, under the nerves. First game back, and I had Dyson and on the streaming board as well, and it was like, oh, great, thanks for that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think get thrown into the deep end and see how you deal with it. And, yeah, I got through that bit, kind of slipped up in the last 32, but quite glad just to get a couple of wins and a few doubles under your belt, you know. It's, and then kind of by the end of the week, I managed to get a, a tournament win in as well. Well, definitely. And I know when we spoke at the weekend, you said the turnout for the, the Ladies Open wasn't great. How many were there in the end on Sunday? <laughs> there, was, there was eight, <laughs> which was unbelievably disappointing. But in the... Uh, 
you know, in the scheme of things, it was, you know, it was a last minute thing for Gibraltar to kind of tag it on to the end of the, the MAD event. A lot of the people that qualified for the virtual, they, they were guys. There was only me and one other woman actually playing in the adults version of the, the, the virtual event. So, um, yeah, it's it's disappointing. But in the same thing, you know, you still got to beat the people in front of you. And I'm still quite pleased to have just even a small field just to have got through a few games. Um, so, yeah, hopefully it's just, you know, something that as we get further along with the COVID crisis and things start levelling out, that, you know, obviously there'll be more and more people at, at future events. Well, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, it must have been strange as well. You had you won two games and then suddenly you've got the final and then it's all over. Yeah, and it was really difficult for the Gibraltans to kind of space it out. So I think you know, the doors opened at nine. Competition due to start, you had to register between 11 and 12. Comp starts at 12. But obviously there was only... There was only eight of us. There was just no point starting. So I think, you know, by the time we finished, it, it felt like a really long day, despite actually not having played as much as what you normally would have. But um, yeah, they, they tried to space it out and give us, you know, gaps in between, which kind of coincided with where the men's men were with their event, because I think they had about 70, 70 players involved. But um, yeah, overall, overall, yeah, disappointing for them, especially for them as well. You know, it's disappointing when you don't get a, a big turnout turn for your competitions. But I think, as I say, they were, they were keen to run it. And I think still the best option was to tag it on to, to another comp. Like they normally have it uh, alongside the Torremolinos Open in March, but naturally that couldn't happen. So, yeah, hopefully hopefully going forward there'll be more. Hmm. And sort of on the note of Torremolinos, I did see in the results, you had one sort of close game in the tournament against... Paula Jacqueline, which at least you had sort of one close competitive game, even though you only got to play three. Yeah, yeah, it was a tough match. Um, I kind of ploughed ahead three nils, comfortable, and then it was just hitting that winning double. It just absolutely escaped me for quite a while. So <laughs> I was, you know, when you're three nil up and then you can feel the, you know, your opponent clawing back and you're like, come on, come on. And I think that's the side of the game that I've really missed. Um, I was delighted to get through it to be fair because they are the ones that I would probably normally lose um it's that that kind of battle of it's your mind isn't it it's it's trying to get across the line and you, you know you're playing someone that you know it's equally as competitive and you just think come on just do it and luckily on, on this occasion I managed to sneak the win but uh, yeah could have gone at, at three all I think we were both a bag of nerves we haven't <laughs> we had you know been playing against people very often and it was whoever held their Whoever held it and got that last double. <laughs> and I have to say, I saw the picture you posted with you with the trophy and your two daughters. I have to say, your eldest daughter looks the spitting image of you. <laughs> yeah, she got, she got glasses about six months ago. And when she put them on, I was like, oh, this is ridiculous. You know, I was like try, trying to change the style. But yeah, <laughs> she really, really does. Um, yeah, and likes her darts as well. So uh, yeah, watch this space. <laughs> Obviously, it was disappointing that you only had the, the eight ladies in Gibraltar. But just under two weeks ago, the WDF announced their sort of their first World Championship under their umbrella, and they said that there'd be twenty four ladies in the Ladies World Championship. Which you must have been pleased to see that. Yeah, no, it's it's great. It's great to have some positive news, especially with the women's game kind of being in such limbo. Um, It'd be, it'd be good, obviously, going forward to see kind of the, the qualification criterias and how we how we go about getting in you know, into this. But 
uh, and you know, price structure and things. But at the moment, just to have a date and, and a target and a rough idea of you know of what, what we've had to do before, we'll probably be under similar you know similar lines. So yeah, it'd be good, and it'd be good to see how the actual tournament itself will be structured because you know having more women and more exposure is is fantastic but it's how they fit that into that week period and it's it's really interesting but it's a you know another exciting time at the moment definitely and sort of in terms of the the wdf circuit that's the last european one for a little while anyway i think the next one's slovenia in july so what are the plans for you in terms of events for the rest of the year it's really difficult. Like anything, it's so hard to plan. Obviously, Gibraltar made it onto the green list, so that that gave us the confidence to obviously travel. Um, both Aaron and I work, and obviously our girls go to school. So to go anywhere where there's restrictions when we come home, it's just not viable. Um, I have booked in for the Dutch Open, obviously as a platinum event. It's just one of those must must go to events. You feel. Um, but again, you still don't know. At, you know, later on down the line, what what what's going to be like um luckily for us in the uk we've obviously got england open coming up in selsey in september um we've got bridlington i think there's the welsh open we can travel pretty to to northern ireland there's um, and there's also the kalani tournament so there is a possibility obviously of remaining as local as possible but yeah as a player you you want to go and support some of the others i really you know i want to be going to malta um hopefully that will be clear by november but it's like anything it's just so so difficult for for anyone really but um especially you know within the non-professional and the non-pdc side of things it's really really tough to try and plan so i've got a whole calendar and i've got which events gold and which one's silver and all this stuff written down but yeah and, and until we get real clarification about travel it's very difficult especially with the overseas events the Gibraltar Open was also had MAD ranking points attached to it, and I know you're involved with MAD. So, can you tell me a little bit more about your role with MAD and what that actually involves you doing? Yeah, so um, I am a super regional director, which sounds very snazzy, but uh, basically, I've got um, the, the, the UK as a such is divided into 16 territories, um, and each has been given a name, and mine's the Titans. So I then, my area was then divided up again into 16. So there's another 16 people that will be under me just looking after certain regions. So anyone that wants to affiliate a league, um, any competitions, um, we've got, there's a structured prize fund. Um, so any competitions that want MAD ranking points, um, MAD ranking points that are free for any competition just need to be, you know, the, the points need to be applied for and, and for three, four weeks in advance. So we, we can put it on the MAD website, advertise it on their behalf, that kind of thing. And then ultimately, there are the, the points will add up. Um, they obviously announced a World Championships uh, in tail end of 2022. Um, there's there are other there's multiple events that these points will will get you to to like exclusive competitions for for Mad members. So yeah, there's there's lots going on at the moment in, in the UK especially, and it's quite hard, I'm sure, for a lot of people to to keep up. So it's um, but love what they're doing obviously they've they've had their first mad open as you say i I've, i think i've won the first kind of mad affiliated women's tournament as well with the gibraltar open carrying those points um so there's just lots of opportunities there's lots of options at the moment for, uh, for amateur players right the way through to those who are you know vying to be professional and, and, and move forward and progress within darts so as I said, yeah, it's exciting, and it's, it's, I'm, I'm interested to see obviously how how everything kind of pans out because again, 
it's so difficult at the moment with not knowing if we can go into this venue at the moment, if we have to sit in tables at six and it's, it's hard, but uh, yeah, it's, it's looking good going forward. What are Mad's plans for, for the ladies game? What are they hoping to do and whatever they are doing, are you going to be involved in that process? Yeah, I'm working with um, Steve, uh, obviously, at the moment, it's just trying to establish a platform going forward, but they do want to obviously do things for the women's game as well. They've got tiering for women. There will be women-exclusive tournaments, um, but it's just, just establishing what they're going to look like. As we know, there aren't as many women that play darts as men. That's just that's just a fact. One that I'm hoping will change and develop over years as we get more exposure, but at the moment, that's how it is. So it's, it's where where that fits them but there are definite plans to to do things with the women's game in line with what they're doing with the men's at the moment but with everything as i say with everything that's been going on it was just kind of getting getting the the, the games the, like the men's game established um obviously we can enter in the opens we can get ranking points in that way but there will there is a women's ranking table as well and Going forward, there will be there will be events that will be exclusive for women. Um, I know the mad the mad weekend in December this year has got got a women's tournament on it as well. So it's just it's how 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 that develops, and we're we're working on it. Um, but it's just how how you can get that to develop and make sure that you've got the participation and the support that that it will need to to move forward. Well, away from the hockey, in a way, we've got the world match play on the horizon. Do you know if you're going to be doing any commentary for that this year? I will be, yeah, yeah. I'm absolutely, that's my first Blackpool match play experience. So I'm really, really looking forward to it. So, yeah, I'm up there for a few days uh, towards the beginning of the tournament. So really, really looking forward to it. Obviously, I did it last year, but behind closed doors. So just... Obviously, again, we're not going to quite know what it looks like in terms of you know fans because of the delay in the the opening. But we 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 had, we had fans recently at the Premier League, and um, yeah, fingers crossed, it will be uh, another good tournament with with people and bodies in the audience. I was going to say, I'm sure I'm sure it will be lovely to be in the building when hopefully there's some fans there at least because that will be a great atmosphere. It will. I mean, don't get me wrong, MK Arena's been fantastic, but it would be great to look at something that isn't Milton Keynes. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice to go to, you know, go back to how it was, and you, you know, you're travelling to these different venues, these different areas, and soaking up different atmospheres, and I know everyone, every player, just the match play is just such a pinnacle, and it's, you know, it's such a hard one to qualify for. It's the one that the players want, and, you know, Blackpool is just a, a brilliant place. I've watched it on the TV, but just, just to try and soak up that atmosphere. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Well, fantastic. And when you were on a little while ago now, you were talking about your, your new project. How can people find out more about what you're doing with that, get involved and, and keep keep an eye on it? Yeah, obviously it's, it's gone slightly quiet because we there was just not a huge amount to talk about. At least pretty much was the only person that was able to play. But now we've had some tournaments. I know you, you're helping me yourself with a few articles, which is fantastic. Thank you. But uh, yeah, it's um, womens-darts.com. As a, there's a, a website, um, and really it's just keeping the news out there, keeping women's names you know within the the media. We've got a Twitter account at Women's Darts. Uh, find us on Facebook again, well Women's Darts. Um, but yeah, it's really really just a keep people talking about it it's sometimes it, it's, it's a lot with a lot of women's sports it can just drop off the radar slightly so it's it's just a, another medium to just keep talking about it praising all the things that women do not just a lot of news 
can sometimes be quite UK centric, and I know yourself. You, you know, you follow the, the the WGF results, so we you wouldn't normally maybe hear about a, a Judy Fenton in New Zealand winning the Canterbury Open. So it's just working and keep pushing out all those kind of articles, so that you know more women across the world get exposure for when they do good things in darts. Definitely. Thank you very much for your time, Laura. I really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure talking to you. No, you too. Thank you. It was lovely to hear from Laura, as always. It was a shame that there were only eight ladies in the the Gibraltar Open field, but a win is a win, and that's the fourth ranking title of her career. There were a lot more players involved in the men's competition, I think sort of 50, 60 involved. And one of the favourites was probably former PDC tour card holder Antonio Alcinas from Spain. But he went out in the semi-finals to the eventual winner, Gavin Smith. The man from Worcestershire defeated the very experienced Mike Norton in the final 4-0. And I'm pleased to say I was able to catch up with Gavin earlier this week to talk about what motivated him to go over to Gibraltar in the first place and planning ahead to play in the World Masters alongside his son later this year. I'm now delighted to be joined by Worcestershire's Gavin Smith. How are you, Gavin? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. And uh, you said earlier on you were going for your second COVID jab. Uh, how was that? It was okay. <laughs> we got there in the end. You're fresh off a maiden WDF title win at the weekend at the Gibraltar Open. How special yeah. was that moment? Uh, yeah, it was special. It was, it was special. I wasn't expecting it, but... It happened, so I don't know. I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm over the moon. Hmm. I'm over the moon. So, yeah, all good. How are you feeling in your darts going over to Gibraltar? Because I noticed that, unlike the last few years, you didn't play at Q School this year. No, the reason they went to Q School this year is because obviously because of the crisis and other things as well. And my darts have been going all right, to be fair. Practicing at home a lot, playing online comps, and and obviously just before we went, everything was open up around our area, so we was able to go out and actually go to tournament. So it was like nice to play proper darts again. I'm happy with my darts at the moment. Hmm. And do you feel that the online stuff that you were doing put you in good stead for when you started playing competitively again? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Just keeps your arm arm ticking. So, yeah, definitely. And I know that your son was in action over in Gibraltar as well. What was it that motivated you to actually go over there for the whole week of events? Well, the, old, the only reason we went to Gibraltar was for my son, mm. through the JDC. So that's why we was there. And obviously there was adult competitions on as well. So obviously I put myself forward as well. And then uh, obviously on the Tuesday, my son won the, uh, the JDC World Virtual championship so I was over the moon for that obviously because that's what we were there for and then uh, obviously on the Sunday he wins the youth Gibraltar and I ended up going on to win the uh, the adult one so yeah very pleasing hmm. and to see the success he had especially in the final only you know 30 minutes or so before your one that must have spurred you on a fair bit as well going into that that final it did but it put pressure on me as well. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, no, no. So, um, if anything, I'm more delighted for him. Because hmm. that's what the old point we went over there for. And what I got is a bonus. 
But I mean, talk talk to me about your route to the the final and obviously winning the trophy in the the men's open. How many players were there for for the event on the Sunday? Fifty three or fifty five, I think. Players, I think, entered in the end, and then up to the quarterfinals, I was throwing okay, nothing special, just grinding results out of anything. And then in the semi-final against, uh, oh, I can't remember his name, the Spanish had Tony Alcaraz Al- 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 or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was 3-0 down to him. And then all of a sudden, it just clicked in. It just clicked. Turn, turn 40, 180s, put the pressure on, and ended up coming back 4-3. And obviously, come to the final. I followed it on to the first couple of legs. A few sloppy darts, but pulled myself together and... Well, the rest is history. <laughs> and I mean, that semi-final performance, I knew it was a, a last leg decider, but I mean, Tony Alsnas is a, you know, used to be a PDC tour card holder, is a, you know, genuinely great player. Yeah. So to produce your best starts in that game, 3-0 down, that must have filled you with confidence going into the final. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I think with 3-0 down, in any match, if you play it at home, or anything, I think you're just like, okay, just, you've got nothing to lose, I'm relaxed, and then, I say, it just clicked, and then the rest is, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, that qualifies you and your son for the, the World Masters later this year. That must be something to look forward for the pair of you. Yeah, definitely. I say, I, to be honest with you, I didn't even know until last night, and a friend uh, told me about it. Because I, I didn't even know it was the WDF. Obviously, because when we were there, the only reason we were there was to pay darts. I see it was advertised competition. That's that's why I entered it. I didn't I didn't know it was the uh, WDF, so it's definitely a bonus. <laughs> well, definitely. And would that be the first time you've played in the the World Masters, as it was, and the BDO or now the WDF one? Yes, it will be. Yeah. But I mean, it will be a great experience, obviously, for for your son, who was the main reason you went out there as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely something to. Uh, Look forward to, uh, I think, November, I think. Hmm. Yeah, start of December, yeah. That was December, is it? So, yeah, look, very looking forward to it. And I have to say, I did see on Facebook the picture of, you know, your family coming back from Gibraltar and you seemed very loaded with trophies. So that was a lovely picture to, to savour. Yeah, yeah, that was just like a, a family moment. It was, uh, no, it was good, it was good. For you originally, when did you actually first start playing darts? Um, 2003, four, something like that. Knocking about with the lads down the pub. And then I realised, you know, I was okay. And then I think I started taking it on board was probably 2005, 2006. And I played a few exhibitions with, well, played against players in exhibitions and all that. And then I had dartitis for five and a half years and then came back in uh, 2013. And I mean, before you originally started doing darts, were you involved in, in other sports? Pool, snooker, football, usual lad stuff. <laughs> I know dartitis is something that you know can affect any player at any time. Yeah. How did you manage to, to come back from that? Because that affected you for a really long time. Well, yeah, five and a half years. So I think for 
12, 18 months, I tried to play through it. I left it for a bit, tried again, tried all different routines, and in the end, I just gave up. And then one night, in the pub, there was some darts on the side. I just picked them up. Normally after about 9 or 12 throws, the old jitters started to come in, but it just nothing seemed to happen, so I just end up staying there all night. And then the next night I went in again, and it happened again, and it just clicked from there. And how did you kind of get from that place to, to making your first appearance at Q School in 2018? Just practice. I entered the tournaments, knew I could hold my own. And I thought, well, let's have a crack. Because there's a lot of, lot of good place, uh, players around our area in Worcestershire, the West Midlands. Obviously, I know a lot of the, the players. And so uh, they said, look, give it a go. You, you can hold your own. So... That's what I did. I had a go, 2018. And how was that first experience of the event? Nerve-wracking. I thought I was good until I got there. I was, I, it was a, a bit of an eye-opener, let's just say. <laughs> but, I mean, you got some reasonable results there and then you played the Challenge Tour 2018-2019 uh, and I know 2018 you actually got to a quarter-final in a Challenge Tour and beat some really good players. So how important was that run to your belief in yourself and your own game? Yeah, it gave me a lot of confidence and to say that I can hold my own and, and play some good players. And say in the quarterfinals, I think I lost to Christopher Titsky uh, and I had my chances to beat him. And I think he went on to win it. And then through him winning that, I think it was a week or two weeks after he ended up playing the Pro Tour hmm. and ended up doing the double on the Pro Tour. And I mean, that must have, to see what he'd achieved, you've been like, you know what, I am able to mix it with these guys as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think Rob Cross, what he did two years ago, hmm. I think that put a, a statement to all us pub players as such. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, you've, you know, you've been involved in darts for a while as a, as a player and a fan, I'm assuming. With your son, was that something you kind of encouraged him to get into it or did he pick it up by himself? Just picked it up on himself. Obviously, he'll always come out to the competition with me and the wife. And he'll throw a dart, but he never threw darts. You know, it'd mm. be one, 13, or, you know, all over the shop. And it weren't until last year, just before uh, COVID, that uh, he joined the ADC and... Uh, Take the rest of history. He just come on eats and bones. Found his arm basically. He found his arm. Hmm. I mean, yeah, he certainly has come on because he played some really good stuff in the JDC event on the Tuesday, and obviously then went on to win the event on the Sunday. So there's clearly a talent there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so, what's the the plan for the rest of the year for you? Will you be playing in competitions when he's going to competitions, or are you going to look at doing? You want to do more yourself. Concentrate on the Bobby first, because he's got the future ahead of him. And whatever comes my way, I shall, I shall have a go. Yeah, definitely. And what sort of setup are you using at the moment in terms of your darts? I've had some darts uh, made myself. They're virtually they're amber jacks, but I've, I've had some bits altered on it. Uh, tw- uh, 23 grams. 
hopefully you and your son are able to get over to the World Masters in Holland in de- December and hopefully I get to see you there and you're both throwing some great stuff. Yeah, hopefully. I'll say as long as uh, COVID doesn't uh, affect everything, we'll, we'll definitely be there, definitely. Awesome, mate. Thank you very much for your time, Gavin. Really appreciate it. No worries and thank you very much. Thank you to both of this week's guests, Laura Turner and Gavin Smith, for their time. It's always great to speak to a ranking event winner when they've just won something. And thank you very much to you guys, as always, for listening. Next up on the WDF calendar is the Cherry Bomb International in America, which is a bronze-ranked event, and the New Zealand Masters, which is the highest-rated event of the year so far, and that's a silver. I'll be back in the next couple of weeks with interviews from those two events, in the meantime, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Inside the WDF. You can like the dedicated Facebook page, Inside the WDF. You can rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. You can follow the podcast on Spotify. And you can also catch up, if you haven't already, with my interviews with Landon Gardner, who won the first WDF ranking event in 449 days at the Canterbury Open just over a week and a half ago. And my interview from this time last week, with the WDF's Chief Development Officer, Richard Ashdown. Until the next time.